Welcome to our show, everyone. I'm Kyle. I'm Gardner. Today we'll be talking about James Patterson's internet. We'd like to welcome everyone to our mini podcast podcast series. We do have a little warning for our listeners. If you don't enjoy gory or gruesome scenes, or you get extremely paranoid, we politely strongly recommend you leave our podcast. We will dive into some of the most gruesome murders and killings in the history of the world. Today, as we mentioned, we will be talking about James Patterson Smith, who he is, where he came from, what he did, and how he did it, and who he did it to. We will start by saying now that her death was the best thing that had occurred to Kellyanne Bates for at least a month before it. Believe me, you may believe that we are making this a dramatization or an overstatement, but after this episode, you will understand her death was a mercy to the young Kellyanne Bates. unemployed and divorced. Him and his previous wife got a divorce because he was abusive to her. They were married for 10 years, though. I personally give props to her for putting up, putting up with it for that long. He was very abusive the entire time. He's known for being very put together from his neighbors, saying that and that he's a very nice-looking man. After the divorce, he became involved with a 20-year-old named Tina Watson. She described it as being used as a punching bag. He would constantly be hitting her and beating her, even when he, she was pregnant with his child. When he tried to drown her, it was the last straw, and she got out of the relationship. Luckily, she escaped with her life. Then in 1982, he began a relationship with a 15-year-old named Wendy Mothershed, who he attempted to drown in the kitchen sink, and he beat her as well. Then in 1993, he met Kelly Ann The pair had met because she was babysitting for one of his friends. She was 14 years old at the time. They kicked off their relationship immediately. He had walked her home to keep her safe, as he had put it. Two years before, Kelly's parents learned that he was actually a man in his late 40s dating their daughter. Not wanting to make her any more distant, they decided just to live with it. She began, she began coming home with bruises shortly after. Her excuse, as her mother puts it, she came home, one side of her face was black. She said, some girls had attacked her. I couldn't bear but worry, but if I knew I dragged her away from him, I could lose her. On November 30th, 1995, she moved into his house. It was the last time any of her family or friends would see her alive. In December of 1995, she quit her part-time job. Her brother had attempted to see her, but Smith said she wasn't home when he had knocked. A neighbor seemed concerned and asked as well, to which Kelly showed up briefly in the upstairs window. After moving in with him, she was cut off from her friends and family. There were random calls that were sporadic, and things even like Christmas cards were never signed by Kelly. Smith had always signed them. Her parents didn't want to go check on her for fear of pushing her further away from them. She was, after all, a legal adult. They did contact the police and a doctor, but it never went anywhere. 
Now, the interesting part is the killing of Kelly was a four-week torture and abuse period. Smith abused her horribly for four weeks before her accidental death, as Smith put it. Kelly was beaten before ever moving in with Smith, who had beaten women before her, as we mentioned earlier. Her parents saw the bruises but never did anything about it. She was burnt with the hot ends of cigarettes, branded with a hot iron. Her feet and butt had boiling hot water poured over them. Scissors, knives, forks, stab marks covered her body. They were even found inside of her mouth. Strangulation marks on her neck, and she had pulled hair from being tied to a radiator. Her hands and kneecaps had been crushed to prevent escape. She was cut deeply on her head and lips, mouth, female organs, and her nose, in addition, had been destroyed. Both of her eyes were gouged out, which they could have happened up to three weeks before her eventual death. Kelly died on April 16, 1996, by Smith going to the police station saying he had accidentally drowned her while they were going at it in the bathtub. Her own father was the one who had to identify her body. He said not even an animal would do this to another animal. This man it was evil. If you look at the precious previous encounter mentioned earlier, you would realize that he had the drive to drown someone throughout his entire life, and this was not his first attempt. Smith's most famous quote while on trial for pleading not guilty to Kelly's murder was that she would put me through hell winding me up. He also cl claimed that Kelly taunted him about his dead mom and would actually hurt herself to make him look bad. Now, when asked why he did it, he said she dared him to, saying she had challenged him to hurt her. Now, it only took the jury a mere five hours to find him guilty in Manchester. He was 49 at that time, and he's been sentenced 20 years in prison, 20 years without a chance of bail. The, in the judge's words, this has been a terrible case, a catalog of deprivery of a human being to another. You are a highly dangerous person, you are an abuser of women, and I intend to, so far as it is in my power, that you abuse no more. Every single one of the jurors took the professional counseling they were offered at the end of this case. Now, any person that would do this to another person and then say, they made me do it or they dared me do it, in my personal opinion, should be executed. I mean, yeah. this shouldn't they just should be... They should have got the death penalty immediately. Exactly. This man is still alive in a prison somewhere, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm, I'm not 100% sure if he's still alive, honestly. Yeah, but either way... Most people like this are... Murdered in prison, thankfully. Even bad people that go to prison don't like people that hit on kids. Yeah, I mean, this is just an absolutely insane case of a mentally sadistic human. So going back onto Kelly's torture, the best thing, as we stated before, best thing Smith ever did to Kelly was kill her. If you look at the gouging out the eyes, which the coroner said could have happened up to three weeks before he had eventually drowned her, she would have never been able to see anything coming. It would have everything would have been a surprise. Plus, already having the pain from not having eyeballs, having them gouged out by who knows what. The coroner wasn't able to find out exactly what was used to gouge out the eyes. And, I mean, when you do that to a person, you not only physically give them pain, you are breaking them emotionally. Kelly could have been absolutely mentally insane by the first week of all that torture. She had been found with over 200 wounds of assorted different 
torture methods on her body. I mean, she could have mentally gone insane three weeks before her death. Nobody really knows. Or, even worse, she could have stayed sane throughout it. Yeah, things like being tied to a radiator. If you were tied to a radiator for an extended amount of time, especially if it gets turned on, your hair could possibly light on fire, which they didn't say happened, but her lots of her hair was torn out. Like, she was tied to the radiator with her hair, not her hair being tied to something outside of the radiator, which had to be immensely painful because you would have your hair being yanked the entire time. Yeah, in addition and, to that, she was beat to the point where she couldn't escape. I mean, she had crushed kneecaps and broken hands. I mean, even if she tried to do anything, there was nothing she could do purely because he had basically made her a doll just to beat on. Yeah, and she couldn't even cry out for help anymore because the coroner, again, found stab marks inside of her mouth. So what's to say that her mouth wasn't so swollen that she couldn't speak either. Yeah, and going along the mouth thing, she hadn't eaten up to five days before her death. And they know she hadn't drinking anything for up to nine so that last week of her life, she would have been starved and thirsty. Her mouth would have been so dry that she couldn't even talk. I mean, that's not even human at that point. Yeah, no, I honestly don't understand how you could do this to another human being. It's horrible. I honestly wish for her parents' sake that they would have said something about it and gone to her house and checked on it. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a quick end to this terrible situation. A huge thanks to all of you who have had enough of a stomach to sit through a little show. We hope we haven't scared you to the point of not returning to our little talk. In addition, we apologize for the deprivation of sleep you'll be having for the next few weeks. But in all seriousness, thank you all for watching, and we hope you'll come back. But when you come back for our next episode, we'll be doing another in-depth talk about... H.H. Holmes and his murder mansion, the first serial killer in Chicago. Think about it. Next time you go on a date with a stranger or meet someone new, what could be hiding behind all the smiles? Mm -hmm.